0: Good health is a crown worn by the healthy that only the ill can see. Your health really is your wealth. Join us for the next hour as we explore
1: disease and attaining and maintaining good health. This is Dischem Medical Monday brought to you by Dischem, pharmacists who care.
0: Welcome to 101.9 High FM Disc and Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. It's good to be back after the break for Yom Kippur. And we're very privileged to have Dr. Peter Shub with us today. He is a specialist radiologist from the Park Lane Mammography Center. And uh, we are going to be speaking about all uh, breast health, breast cancer, and uh, October, the month being uh, breast, Aware- breast Cancer Awareness Month, Dr. Shub contacted us. And we're very grateful for that to speak about this very necessary topic. Thank you very much for joining us.
1: Thank you, Dean, for having me.
0: Okay, great. So let's talk about living now in uh, South Africa amongst our population. What's necessary for screening for breast cancer? What should women be doing? Who should be doing from what age? And does it differ between different populations?
1: Okay, so... You know, whenever we talk health in South Africa, we have to recognize that there's a huge disparity between uh, the services um, across the population, uh, both in terms of private and government facilities, but also in terms of uh, the uh, provinces. Um, you know, I think in, in, the, in the whole of Limpopo, they probably have one mammogram machine. Uh, whereas in Gauteng, there's no short, there's no shortage. So there's obviously a big difference. And, um, the, the, the Department of Health doesn't actually have a national screening mammography pro- program, um, because there's a shortage of equipment and they obviously, uh, don't have the finances. So, um, the guidelines given out by the Department of Health are that every woman um, from I think the age of 30 should be doing self examination, and if, if they're concerned to go to the local clinic or doctor. Um, in terms of private health, um, most medical aides will pay for mammograms from the age of 40. Some pay every year, some pay every two. Um, and and there's like I say, there's no shortage of uh, mammography departments in the private sector. If you happen to live in Johannesburg and you are not on a medical aid, you also have uh, uh, the option of going to a government hospital. Uh, so Johannesburg Hospital, Baraguanath, Helen Joseph, Rahima Musa all have excellent mammography departments and you can phone and go there I think, without cost. So the recommendations are, um, and we follow the American guidelines, Um, so we recommend that women start from the age of 40. Um, The best is to do it every year if they can. That has been shown to decrease mortality the most. Um, But if your medical aid can only pay every second year, that's still very good. And we don't really have a cut-off age. We say that if someone is generally fit and healthy, even if they're in their 80s, um, they should continue to
0: screen because we certainly do see breast cancers in that age group. Can you tell us just a bit more about what's involved with the mammogram and screening? And uh, I've heard about sonar for breast as well. Do women have to have as part of screening sonar and uh, mammogram?
1: Mammography is the only... Uh, a test, a screening test for breast cancers that has been uh, uh, proven to be effective. And what I mean by proven to be effective is when they look at the mortality rates from breast cancer, they have shown over many years and, and very large trials that by doing screening mammograms and catching the cancers early, that they substantially decrease the mortality. And the estimate is between 30 and 40%. Um, now, the other point is that mammography is um, a relatively cheap, easily available if you if you live in a city center uh, test, which is uh, generally um, not painful, uh, easy to tolerate, it's reproducible. So it's a very good screening test and it's fairly accurate. So um, that's really the gold st- standard at the moment. Now, the problem with mammography is that uh, being an X-ray um, and 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 being a relatively uh, low-powered X-ray, it doesn't always penetrate the, the very thick or dense breast tissue. And because of that, we can't be sure uh, if anything's being obscured. And in that case, we recommend that an additional test is done to rule out any occult cancers. And the best test for that is ultrasound of the breast. Now, in most practices in South Africa, we offer both tests at the same time, um, and and medical aids pay one fee for both tests, which which certainly is very convenient. Um, so we usually do uh, for screening mammogram and then
0: ultrasound. So uh, so the ultrasound you say penetrates the breast tissue better, and um, and what can see be- uh, small lesions or is yeah. It considered-
1: yeah, so so essentially um, a mammogram, um, like I say, is an X-ray, and we take uh, two views um, of the breasts. Um, we have to compress the breast in order to get a good image, although um, it, it compresses the breast a lot less than the old machines do. Um, and, in fact, the machine that, that, that we use at the moment is a, a tomosynthesis or 3D mammogram, which really takes a, takes a whole lot of pictures and is able to see through the tissue better. Um, but there's still going to be some women who have very dense tissue. Now, what dense tissue means is that in the breast uh, you you have fatty tissue and you have the glandular and fibrous tissue. And every woman has a different amount of those tissues. So some women will have breasts that are entirely fatty and the mammogram sees right through it. And some women have a lot of glands and fibrous tissue. It's largely hereditary, but that thick tissue, it's tightly packed together. It's like trying to look through a a, a dense forest. When you look at the mammogram and the sensitivity of the mammogram is dramatically reduced in those patients. The ultrasound, so ultrasound waves are very good at going through soft tissue. So they can see all the way down to the ribs, to the chest chest wall. They're not limited by the dense tissue. And um, it's a very good test for, for, for uh, um, showing us whether something is fluid like a cyst or whether it's solid like a tumor. Um, and generally what happens is that the radiologist will look at the mammogram first uh, see if there's any problems there, and then go straight through to the patient in the ultrasound room and perform an ultrasound on both breasts. But the mammogram is still a very important test because it's able to pick up very subtle early signs of breast cancer that
0: ultrasounds cannot. So they complement each other. Okay, and uh, you can also do a biopsy if you need to, which we we'll speak about just now. The yeah, so
1: the general sequence of events is as follows. We have two types of patients. We have the patient who's coming for her annual screening mammogram who has no symptoms or, or problems. And we have the patient who maybe has felt a lump or her doctor has felt a lump or some other clinical issue. Um, so the patient screening m- m- uh, mammogram might, we might pick up something on the mammogram or on the ultrasound or the patient who comes in with a lump, we also will uh, potentially see something on one of these tests. Then the next test is a biopsy test. So in the old days, if a woman had a lump in the breast, they went to a surgeon and he would whip the lump out, no, no questions asked. These days, um, we always need a biopsy first, a tissue diagnosis, whether it looks uh, very suspicious or a little bit suspicious. We always get a tissue diagnosis, that means that we use a needle to, to take out small samples from the lump or the abnormal area, and we submit that to a pathology lab where the pathologist does various tests, and they come back and they say, this is 100% a cancer or it's not a cancer, and if it is a cancer, they tell us exactly what type. The biopsies are always done under guidance, meaning that we use the ultrasound may, mainly, but also the mammogram occasionally, to guide our needle and make sure we get a very accurate sample of the lump. Um, it's, not a, it's not a painful proce- procedure. We use local anesthetics. It's like going to the dentist. We make it completely numb. We do it in the rooms, uh, and
0: uh, we usually get a result within two days. Okay, we're going to take a short break and after the break, maybe talk about the prevalence of uh, breast cancer in South Africa and and who is at risk. We'll be back after this. This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. Thank you for joining us. We're speaking to specialist radiologist, Dr. Peter Shoup. Sorry, I almost said your dad's name there. That's okay. Famous dad, you're a radiologist from the Park Lane Mammography Center, and we are speaking about Breast Cancer Awareness Month, uh, which is the month of October, and we're speaking about breast cancer screening at the moment. So what is the prevalence of breast cancer in South Africa, and who is at risk to get it? Okay,
1: so um, because we have such a variable population in this country, it's quite difficult to say what the real prevalence is. Um, the global prevalence is estimated as uh, one in eight women will develop a breast cancer in her lifetime. The overall prevalence for South Africa is one in 28. But I think that that is misleading because, you know, as I said, the, the, the kind of more rural areas or underserved areas um, where there isn't access to things like mammograms, um, I think that they are underdiagnosing a lot of cancers. And as a result, the prevalence um, uh, is, is not really an accurate re, re, uh, represent, representation. And I think that if you look at the urban areas, it's probably closer to the one in eight or one in ten. So um, breast cancer increases uh, with with age. Age is the single most important factor. Um, so in in a woman's 30s it's it's pretty rare you know 40s becomes more common and then 50s and 60s are the most common ages and then we see it all the way through um the jewish community ashkenazi jews in particular are at a significantly higher risk of, of developing breast cancers um and 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 because of that i think it's really important that um that all women uh, uh certainly within our community but um you know across the 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 country um starts doing screening at the age of 40 um but there are some there are some women who are at a much higher risk um and generally that has to do with family history so um if a woman has particularly a first degree relative um who had breast cancer, we are more concerned than if it is a second degree relative, like a grandmother or a cousin. Um, if the first degree relative got it at a younger age, it's much more significant. And if there's more than one first degree relative, for example, a mother and a sister, then that really pushes up the risk, the chance of getting a cancer. And then over and above that, we talk about genetic mutations. And 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 the most common ones, the ones that people have probably heard of, are called BRCA one and two. That's spelled B R C A. It's an acronym, um, which uh, which ba- ba- basically means that you've got a defective gene, a gene that's not working, a gene that usually prevents cancer, but it's not working. And if a person, ha- if a woman has that gene, she has a very very high risk of breast cancer, probably fifty to sixty percent chance. Um, and again, this gene is particularly common in the Ashkenazi Jewish population, probably about
0: ten times as common as in the general population. Okay, so uh, you mentioned earlier about the two types of women. You see people who come for annual screening, or people who come here they because they felt a lump. Are, are the yes. there any ways that uh, women would present to you besides a lump so, screening? Yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, feeling a lump is the single most important sign of a breast cancer. Um, that being said, the vast majority of lumps are not cancer. So, other things that can that can feel like a lump um, are benign or harmless uh, uh, growths. Okay, like a, fi- uh, a fibroadenoma or a cyst. Um, sometimes it's just a thickening of the tissue, lumpy tissue. Um, but feeding a lump is is really the most important. And then there's a number of other things. So, for example, if a woman notices her nipple is changing, so maybe it's being retracted or pulled in, and that's, you know, especially if it happens over a short period of time, say weeks or months, uh, or if she notices that there is peeling and a very uh, angry red rash on the nipple. Or maybe um, she'll notice indentation or dimpling of the breast tissue um, or pulling of the skin. Any difference when she looks in the mirror. Um, or maybe there's a discharge from the nipple, especially if it's bloody. Those are all things that uh, uh, need to be investigated because they can all represent a cancer.
0: Okay, and uh, do you know what size the lump has to be when women... When would one? Let me rephrase that. What? Yeah. No, what yeah. Yeah. So if they yeah, uh, yeah. feel yeah. themselves so, in the shower or something and they notice a the lump, how big would that lump be? And does it? Yeah. So you know, the, the bigger the lump the, is, the more, more dangerous it is.
1: Yeah. So there used to be this theory um, or, or, or myth that went around that if you could feel a breast lump, it was already very big, um, and that and that and that simply isn't true because. There's a number of factors that contribute towards how easy it is to feel a lump. So obviously, if you do have a big lump, it is going to be easier to feel. But um, it depends on other factors. For example, how big the breasts are. So if you have a woman with very big breasts, um, even a large lump may not be easy to feel. Whereas if you have a woman with very small breasts, even a very small lump is easy to feel. The same way if a woman has breast implants, because the tissue is, is compressed, it's often easier to feel a lump. If a lump happens to be very superficial, for example, just under the skin, you could feel a tiny lump, a few millimeters. But if you had a lump very deep in the breast, especially in bigger breasts, you wouldn't feel it at all. And lastly, some lumps don't, or some tumors don't form palpable lumps. Um, they might be soft or spread out. The pre-cancers, the DCISs, um, those don't form lumps. So, um, to 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 answer your your question, feeling a lump doesn't necessarily imply anything at all. Um, and really, determining how dangerous or how far along a breast cancer is, isn't determined much by what the lump feels like but more about uh, uh, uh what we find when we when we do mammograms ultrasounds and biopsies
0: okay great we're going to take another short ad break and then afterwards maybe we can talk about making that diagnosis we'll be back after this this is medical monday brought to you with compliments of discam Pharmacist who care Welcome back to Disc and Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson. We're speaking to Dr. Peter Shub, who is a specialist radiologist at the Parkland Breast Care Center. And we're busy talking about breast cancer and we've spoken about uh, presentation. How do you make the diagnosis, uh, Dr. Shub? You were talking about uh, imaging. Opsies.
1: Yeah. So, you know, the point with imaging is, um, Sometimes we will look at a mammogram or an ultrasound and see a lump. And we look at various things. For example, we look at the shape of the lump. Is it oval? Is it round or is it irregular? We look at the outline. Um, We look at the tissue around it. Um, And we can generally get some kind of idea what we're dealing with. And occasionally it's very obvious that it's a cancer. And occasionally it's very obvious that it is benign. Um, but a lot of the time It's somewhere in between um, So in that Case you know even if we have A small suspicion Even if we have a th- Even if we think there's a 3% chance That that could be a cancer we will do A biopsy um, So like I said The, the biopsy is done in the rooms Woman is fully awake Local anesthetic 15 minutes uh, We take small Specimens Um, It's a little bit of bruising, which heals very well. And then um, we usually get a result from the pathology lab within a few days. And like I said, it's very important that they don't just tell us whether it's a cancer, but they give us a very detailed report on what type of cancer, because there's many different types of breast cancer, and that will often determine uh, the type of treatment.
0: Okay, so um, I don't know if it's too detailed, but you're saying that different types. You're saying DCA, DCS, yes. then I know about LCIS. You can tell us maybe a little bit about invasive and then the different receptors. That right. Have, you mind speaking a little bit? Right, right, absolutely.
1: So um, we talk about the cancers, right, and uh, uh, the kind of easiest way to think of those are as lumps or tumors. Right. And we talk about precancers or DCIS, which stands for ductal carcinoma in situ. LCIS, which is lobular carcinoma in situ, is not really a precancer anymore. It's not considered one. So we won't talk about that. So the precancer basically means abnormal cells, cancer cells, but they haven't formed into a tumor yet but they might eventually form into a tumor. So we try very hard to catch these early uh, and get rid of them. Um, and usually they present as tiny calcium deposits on the mammogram, which looks like a little powder. So that's the pre-cancer. Then the cancer itself, there are, like I said, a lot of different types. So you might hear people talk about ductal or lobular, um, but I think what's, what's, what's kind of become really important now is that they look at hormone receptors. So a hormone receptor is, is, is a part of the, the cancer that uh, responds to hormones, in particular estrogen and progesterone. Um, because breast cancer generally derive from breast tissue, they're very sensitive to, to estrogen and progesterone, and those hormones can cause the cancer to grow and accelerate. So that counts for about two-thirds of breast cancers. The other third are, 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 are known as triple negative or HER2 cancers. Um, and, and those cancers are not driven by estrogen and progesterone. They tend to be more aggressive cancers. Uh, faster growing. So the lab report tells us whether it's a hormone cancer or not a hormone cancer. And it also gives us an indication whether it's a fast growing cancer or not. And like I say, that often determines the type of treatment that a patient gets. So who
0: breaks the diagnosis to the patient? Do you do you call them in, the radiologist, and says to them, you've got this type of cancer? And
1: so I can only, sorry. Yeah, okay. Yes, dear.
0: Yeah, I can only speak for our
1: practice. Um, our policy is that the radiologist uh, uh, calls and gives the patient the diagnosis. So, um, you know, we 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 make sure that before we do a biopsy, we uh, explain exactly what our findings are and the probabilities of, you know, whether it's a cancer or not. Um, and then once we have a diagnosis, we give the results telephonically. We don't call a patient in. And very importantly is um, we we give the patient the options in terms of referrals because, you know, I think any patient getting news like that, a diagnosis of cancer, needs to have some kind of plan in place. Now, um, we work very closely with several multidisciplinary breast cancer units. Um, so, for example, uh, uh, Professor Caroline Ann ben at Mill Park Multidisciplinary unit basically means that you have uh, a team of doctors, surgeons, oncologists, uh, pathologists, who all work together and uh, determine the best treatment for the patient. So we will generally uh, guide the patient in, 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 in uh, consulting with the team, and they take over from from there.
0: Okay. So what else needs to be done? You've made the diagnosis. You discuss it with the with the surgeon and the oncologist and perhaps the reconstructor surgeon you mentioned, that is yes. advanced imaging um, that might need to be done. Do you want to tell us a bit about that?
1: We've covered the screening and we've covered the diagnosis so um, the next part of what we do uh, in terms of imaging um, has to do with staging. Staging means determining uh, 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 how far along a cancer is and that. Helps the treating doctors to know again what type of treatment um, to provide or what options to give the patient. So we need to determine two things. We need to see um, how big the cancer is, we need to see if it's spread uh, in the immediate vicinity and if it is spread elsewhere in the body. So um, for example, so for example, um, most breast cancer patients these days will undergo a breast MRI. So an MRI uh, scanner is a cross-sectional scanner, uh, which is extremely good at showing cancers from normal tissue. Um, We inject a little bit of dye, and we're able to very accurately see the size of the cancer. Often we might pick up additional small cancers in the same breast, the opposite breast. We can see the lymph nodes, and we can give the surgeon a very good idea of what's going on. Uh, There might be other tests, for example, ultrasounds of the liver or CAT scans. Um, And then just the last thing to say in terms of the treatment and imaging, some patients are treated with chemotherapy up front to to shrink a tumor. And it's very important that we help the oncologist to know whether the tumor is shrinking, so we usually follow that on ultrasound or MRI. Um, and then lastly, when a patient is going to theater and the surgeon needs to find the cancer, um, we help them by um, putting in a wire or a seed, which will guide them to the area and remove the correct uh, uh, tissue.
0: Okay. And uh, do you image the other breast at the same time, even when you're doing those? Uh...
1: Yeah. So when we do an MRI, we always image both breasts. Um, so there's about a 4%. Chance of having A, a tumour at the same time In the opposite breast Maybe it wasn't picked up On mammogram or ultrasound um, You know those are not perfect tests The MRI is a far more sensitive test It's able to pick up Things far earlier Smaller things So uh, uh, occasionally we do pick up Things in the other breast And more commonly we pick up uh, Maybe additional tumours In the same breast as the primary cancer
0: Okay, and uh, is it – so will all women have have an MRI done? Is it a standard thing kind of done once you've uh, diagnosed the cancer? Is it the best practice?
1: So um, it's a little bit controversial. Um, There was a feeling at one stage that MRI was too sensitive. In other words, it picked up things that maybe didn't need to be picked up, or showed things as suspicious, even if they weren't, and then uh, patients would be subjected to mastectomies uh, when they didn't need need them. Um, but I think that um, breast MRI has progressed quite a lot, and at this stage I think most surgeons find it very useful. So certainly within the multidisciplinary teams we work with, I would say probably 9 out of 10 patients will have a breast MRI. Um and and I think that it largely does depend on the working relationship between the radiologist and the treating doctors.
0: Can you tell us a little about uh, sentinel um sentinel lymph node biopsies? Do you have anything to do it? With- to do with them. I think patients for yeah. this procedure. Do you so, want to tell us a little, bit, a little bit about
1: them? So it's extremely important when you are staging, when you are determining how far a cancer is, to see whether the lymph nodes under the arm are involved. The lymph nodes or lymph glands uh, under the arm, that's the first place that breast cancer spreads, and it has a direct impact on the prognosis of a patient. So it's really one of the most important things. Now, when we do an ultrasound in particular or an MRI, we generally can get an idea whether the lymph nodes are involved. Um, But it's sometimes not obvious, and especially if it's a very small deposit of cancer. So what they do is the surgeon um, in the old days uh, would inject a radioisotope, in other words, a radioactive dye uh, into the breast, and that would then flow to the lymph nodes, Allowing them to find the lymph nodes in theatre, remove them, give them to the pathologist, and they check if there's cancer. It's called a sentinel node because they generally only take the primary or most important node out. Um, and if that's negative, you can you can be pretty sure that there's no cancer in the nodes. If it's positive, then they take a few more and a few few more. So your question was, do we have anything to do with that? So recently we have started to help them with with uh, with this procedure like i said before patient goes to theater we generally mark the tumor either with a wire or a magnetic seed and we also inject a special magnetic dye into the tumor and then when the patient is in theater the surgeon can use a special detector to pick that dye up Uh, in the lymph nodes and remove them. So in that way we help them to take out the sentinel node and check
0: if there's cancer. How's, just changing uh, track a little bit, how's your practice affected by COVID-19? Has it um, affected, I know it's affected mine, I mean, besides the amount of people that aren't coming in and I mean, breast screening, people need to have their appointments and uh, I'm sure a lot Mm -hmm. of them push them off till afterwards. How is, COVID 19 affected breast health and breast screening and breast cancer diagnosis?
1: So, you know, like, like with just about everything in this pandemic, it's it's been a global issue. Um, you know, it's always interesting to see that the same things are going on in the US and in the UK and so on. So, as you said, a lot of screening tests, and not just mammograms, but colonoscopies and and various other things were delayed or put off. And um, there is definitely uh, a fear that we're going to see a lot of late diagnoses because they weren't picked up early. So you might say, well, how much difference does six months make? But, um, you know, if a person hadn't had a screening test maybe for three or four years, six months can make a big difference. The other issue is quite a number of women um, uh, would have felt a lump maybe in the beginning of the lockdown and decided not to come in. And if it is a cancer, six months can make a massive difference. So we are starting to see quite a few cancers more advanced than we would usually see. Um, also, you know, they had to delay a lot of the operation. So there's a backlog there. So unfortunately, I think that there is going to be a negative impact from the pandemic. Just in terms of our own practice, um, so we, um, obviously, during the first few weeks, we stopped all screening tests. Uh, we only saw emergencies, um, and we've slowly started to, to 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 see regular patients. Obviously, we have very strict uh, distancing and all of that. Overall, though, and speaking to colleagues of mine, um, breast practices um, are very busy. Um, at this this stage and I think that that's a good sign I think it means that um, that people realize that they have to continue with screening um, although apparently the discovery statistics are that mammograms were down over 50% during lockdown I suspect it was quite a lot more but it is picking up again
0: Okay, we're going to take another short uh, ad break We'll be back after this This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Just Get Medical Monday. I'm your host, Dr. Dean Gerson, and we are speaking to Dr. Peter Shub, who is a radiologist from the Park Lane Mammography Center. Um, I wanted to ask you, we are talking about just before the show, uh, breast cancer in men, something that's probably uh, not known about or not very commonly spoken about, and uh, people yeah, I think we'll be very interested to hear about it. Can you tell us about breast cancer? Men, obviously, men do have um, breasts. They're just a lot uh, smaller. They can have problems. With yeah. So please enlighten us.
1: So I think the important thing to realize is that both men and women are born with breast tissue. It's just that uh, women's breast tissue develops uh, at puberty and men's generally does does not. But um, uh, uh, certainly uh, men's tissue can develop, and, and we sometimes see that with gynecomastia, which just means that you've got a, a, a breast tissue that is stimulated and uh, you might hear the term man, man boobs. Um, so it can develop, but also it can develop a cancer. Now, breast cancer in men is far less common. Um, probably for every 100 breast cancers in women, Uh, we see one in men. So it really is quite a rare thing. It tends to occur a little bit older than in women. So usually men over the age of 50, and they might also feel a lump. Okay. So any man who feels a lump in the breast must come in immediately. Um, The other thing to say is that um, if you have the BRCA, we mentioned earlier the BRCA mutation, which is an abnormality of a cancer gene in your fam in your family, and we said it's common in the Jewish population. Men in that family are at a much higher risk of breast cancer, and um, it, it should be considered that men who have that in the family uh, should also come for screening on a regular basis.
0: Okay, and would men present in the same way with a discharge or with the lump? Most common would be a hard lump.
1: So, um, you know, as I say, if a man feels any lump in the breast, he should come in. What the commonest is um, that I mentioned, gynecomastia, is where you get swelling behind the nipple, uh, either on one or both sides. Um, That is very common. It's a harmless thing. Um, But obviously, you're not going to take a chance. If you feel any swelling, you'll come into us and we'll have a look. And believe it or not, we do do mammograms on men. We, But the diagnosis of breast cancer in men is
0: is extremely uncommon. How do you fit the man's breast tissue inside the mammogram machine?
1: So with a mammogram, we generally take two views. We take one from the side where we compress uh, 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 behind the pectoral muscle and, and, and in front of the breast. And the other we take from on top where we compress the breast from on top and below. So um, a man, we can take the first one quite easily from the side. The second one, we generally cannot. So we generally just do the one view, and then we do an ultrasound. Usually if we get a young man, younger than, say, 40, we won't do a mammogram. We'll just do an ultrasound
0: because the chance of cancer is so unlikely. To Medical Monday, we're speaking to Dr. Peter Shub, radiologist at Park Lane Mammography Centre, and we are about to talk about cryoblation, a new treatment for is it only for breast cancer dr Shib?
1: So cryoablation which basically means freezing of cancers has has actually been around for quite a long time and in the past it was used for other cancers uh kidneys liver lung um but um and 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 it's also been used for benign lumps in the breast for quite a long time but in the last uh, about 10 years they have used it for cancers very effectively. So the principle is that um, as as a general uh, principle with treatment of breast cancer, you want to do as little or rather the least invasive treatment that will result in the best outcome. Um, so um, with this technique, we are able to do a percutaneous. That means we go through the skin. Um, uh, ablation of the tumor ablation means destroying a tumor so it's similar to a biopsy in a way we do it in the rooms under local anesthetic patients awake takes about 30 to 40 minutes Um, we insert a needle similar to a biopsy needle under ultrasound guidance into the lump and we freeze it and in that way, we completely destroy it. And this is basically an alternative to having it surg- surgically removed. So um, it is not applicable to all tumors and not to all patients, but there is a subset of patients who, who potentially will benefit
0: from, from this kind of treatment. What do you inject in? What type of things do you inject
1: in? Liquid nitrogen um, as the freezing agent. But very importantly, it doesn't come into contact with the tissue at all. What happens is the needle is it's, it's a hollow probe, uh, um, and the nitrogen flows through it in a closed circuit, but it doesn't enter the tissues. It makes the it makes the probe extremely cold, and the part of the probe that's sitting in the tumor um, is not insulated, so that part's the coldest part, and it causes ice to form in the tissue, and it creates a symmetrical ball of ice. That engulfs or encases the entire tumor with a margin and within that ice ball that the tumor is destroyed by the extreme cold. What we actually do is we freeze for a period, then we thaw, then we freeze again and that cycle completely destroys cells so that you've uh, ablated or, or killed off the
0: tumor. How do you know what margin, uh, what margin to take? Obviously I no, surgically you need a yeah. So to how just, far around the you
1: know, tumor? I think it goes back to 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 the uh, um, parameters that we use. So we only look at tumors less than two centimeters, um, and in fact, all the ones that we've done so far have been uh, about a centimeter in size, which is pretty small. And the margin uh, we use is uh, at least a cent at least a centimeter all all around. So. Um, the ice ball is usually three and a half to four centimeters um, with the tumor right at the center. The other thing to say is that the the, the ideal patient for a procedure like this is the slightly older patient who maybe uh, is not entirely fit for theater, for a general anesthetic. Um, so, you know, often patients who have com- comorbidities, um and and the and the surgeon is 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 not uh, or the anesthetist is not that keen to take them to theater it also means a patient doesn't have to be admitted um and it's significantly cheaper um so so those are the kind of advantages the um breast heal very quickly afterwards um so you know, the other thing just to say is we don't decide who gets the, treat, the treatment. It is always decided by the multidisciplinary team. Um, and if they think the patient is a candidate, they would refer it back back to us for freezing.
0: How do you monitor the progress uh, once you've done the cryoblation? What, what's the follow-up mm-hmm. of the patient?
1: During the procedure, we, we, we very strictly monitor on the ultrasound and we measure the ice ball as it freezes. Um, and make sure it doesn't get too big or get too close to the skin. Afterwards, um, we bring the patient back after six weeks and six months, and we start off with a mammogram to confirm that we've destroyed the right area. And then at six months, we do an MRI scan, which would be able to identify any uh, uh, um, residual or viable breast cancer in that site. Um, and, and, and based on the, on the Trials um, that, that have been done overseas they've, they've shown the tumors of that size They've had a 99% Success rate with uh, Virtually no recurrence At five years So very successful um, And uh, you know, I think it's going to Offer something to those patients Who fall in the category
0: Okay sounds uh, amazing I mean and Pete would you say that people can start using this as first line therapy or would you say, I know you said there's a specific subset of patients and yeah. would you offer this to uh, as first line therapy for people who were scared of surgery or didn't want to have uh, surgery?
1: So I think that the initial, you know, it's only been introduced to South Africa now. This is the first site. It's an Israeli company that makes the machine. Um, so to answer your question, um First first of all, as I said, they would have to go through um, the multidisciplinary team. And I don't think in most cases it would be offered as a first line. Um, you know, tumor, the treatment for tumors depends on, on several things. For example, the size of the tumor and the type. We mentioned the hormone types and the non-hormone types. Some cancers they will surgically remove up front. Um, some cancers, they will give chemo up front to shrink a tumor. Some cancers need radiation afterwards. It's, you know, it's, every treatment is tailored to that patient and the tumor. Um, I think that this is something that would be offered, like I said, more to the older patients that I want to operate on with a small, hormone-sensitive, slow-growing cancer. Um, but potentially, um, I think a bit further down the line, if a patient who had a small tumor elected to have this instead of an operation, I
0: think that's a, possi- a possibility. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much, um, Dr. Peter Shub, who we've been speaking the past hour about uh, breast cancer and screening and diagnosis and a bit about treatment. How do people get hold of you if they want to come in for mammogram or for SONAR?
1: Okay, so they can find us quite easily on the internet. Uh, you can either just look up uh, mammograms and Park Lane. Um, we do have a website, which is mammogram.co.za. If anyone wants to find out more about cryoblation, there's also a cryoblation web- website, cryoblation.co.za, or I'll just give the phone number as 11 484 Three one four nine. That's the department, and they're welcome to contact us. Just the other thing to say is they can um, contact the Breast Imaging Society of South Africa to find out if there's a practice close to them, and you can just
0: look that up on face, Facebook It's uh, BISA B I S S A. Thank you so much for taking the time out and such an easy to follow uh, such easy to follow information. And uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Thank you very much to our listeners. And we'll speak to you next week.